And there are three readings this morning. Um, The first is from Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. The second reading is from Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And the final reading is from Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 2. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, Come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Amen. Good morning. I'm trying this out today. I'm hoping it's close enough. Sounds like it's all right. Don't you love it when God kind of speaks and um, it kind of it, 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 it resonates with what you feel God is saying? I'm so pleased that um, those words came at the, in, during the worship. The, the, the word from Colin about come and eat the table because I chose those verses yesterday as I was preparing this sermon and I'm really on my heart is this we're in this this series of hungry for God of being hungry for God as a church pursuing the the one who will give us everything that we need the one who will restore everything that we need to have restored the one that will help us to be all that we're called to be and we've been pursuing this sermon series on being hungry for God because we feel that God has placed that on our hearts that without him, we can't do the things that he's called us to be. He is everything. And so those um, passages that I'll refer to as I talk are all about that. They're all about come to the table, come feed on him. And I want to start this morning by saying, are you hungry for God? What are you hungry for? Who are you hungry for? Now, for all of us in this room, there'll be a whole range of answers to that. Some of us might be there and we're all hungry. Some of us might be finding it hard to be hungry for God. That's okay. The key thing is that we come to him and we're honest with him this morning. So I want you, as I'm speaking and as the rest of the service goes on, please just be honest before God. Where is your heart with him this morning? And can I encourage you to believe in faith that he longs to meet you where you're at? He longs to come and meet the need, the hunger that you have within you or the lack of hunger that you have within you. He longs to be able to come and meet that. So as a church, we want to run after God. That is our heart's desire because we know we need him to be able to do all the things that we're called to do. Everything we do as a church flows from the encounter with him. There is no point in doing stuff if we're not encountering God. We could have all the great ideas in the world. We could have all the great systems, all the great structures in the world. But if we're not meeting him, if we're not encountering God, if we're not hungry for him, it won't come to much. 
God is our one thing because when he is our one thing, we are transformed. And the ministries and the connections that we have in this church and the conversations that we have with the people that we meet, they will be transforming ministries. They will be transforming conversations, not because of us, because of, but because we are connected to the one who brings transformation. Psalm 27, verse 4, David wrote of his one thing. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That was David's heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul, the apostle, wrote about his one thing, his single focus. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the disciples' journey. It's the disciples' primary and therefore most important goal. It's your, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, it is your primary goal to seek him before anything else. Everything else flows from this. And we as a church run after God. That is our heart. That is what we want. We want to pursue him before anything else. We have got good systems, I think. God has given us good things in our church, good ways of doing mission. And we're we're going after that as well. But we know that we need him to bring the life to those systems. I don't know if you ever, can you remember as a kid, going to electric fences in the field and touching the electric fence? Has anyone ever done that? Anyone been brave enough to touch the electric fence? You know, you get that pulsing... (laughs) Did you ever do it with friends where you hold the friend's hands? And you, you, this works. Have a go. <laughs> um, you go with people and you hold their hands. And if you, the person touches the fence, it goes through you. And go, the people holding your hands feel the electric shock. It's great fun <laughs> to see everyone sort of go like that at once. I think that's a, a really good image of what we are about as church. We have been given ways of being and systems as a church of mission. If you like, um, one of the ways I heard it explained is we hold hands with people and we seek to hold as many hands as possible. Through our restore ministry, through our forge ministry, out in Sheffield, we want to see Sheffield transformed so we hold as many hands as possible. But if we're not touching the source of the power, it won't transfer into the hands that we're holding. We, we hold hands, but we have to be plugged into him. It has to be him that is flowing through what we're doing. Our job, if you like, as his disciples is to touch the electric fence, to hunger for him, because it's in him that we find all that we need and that will flow through into the hands that we hold. Think of all the hands that we hold in this church, either individually, friendships, through uh, the different ministries that we have, through the households that we're pursuing to develop. Think of all the hands that we hold and we want to be plugged into the power so it flows into those hands and brings transforming life to people. It's important that we have these connections, and it's important that we hold on to the source of power. It's like making an electric circuit and not plugging it in, ever plugging it in. Um, I used to teach science as a teacher, and um, 
there was always some bright spark, pun deliberately intended, right, thank you, thank you, I'm here all day, <laughs> some bright spark um, who would s- s- plug in the um, transformer and not put anything else in it but one wire and then, then rank up the voltage. And you know what happens when you have too much power and not anywhere for it to go. What happens is the, 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 the wire gets very, very hot and then there's a pop and a flash and it's broken. Of course, it's great fun for a child to do that, so we went through many wires. Um, but that's the same with us. You know, the One extreme is that we can be all about the power, all about seeking God, but if there's nowhere to go, if we're not holding the hands, if you like, if we haven't made the circuit for that power to go through, it's never good for us. We kind of pop and things get broken sometimes. It's not good for us. Power with nowhere to go is not a good thing. But we as a church have the circuit, if you like. We've got the components already in the circuit. God has given us those ways. We're holding hands with lots of people. It's like the woman. Um, you know that, that story of the woman who reached out to Jesus. She knew where the power was. She knew where the transformation was. She knew where the healing was. And in that crowd of people, this desperation within her, this hunger within her, she reached out for the one who would bring transformation and life to her. And she touched Jesus' cloak. And, she, and Jesus said, power's gone out of me. He knew power had gone out of me. Are you someone who is like that, like that woman? Am I someone who is like that woman who knows where the source of the power is and you're reaching out and you just want to touch the hem of his cloak and you want transformation? Stir up that hunger within yourself. As a church, that's what we want to be about. Moses knew this, didn't he? In Exodus 33, verses 14 to 16, he said, What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth if you don't go with us? Don't send me, said Moses, if your presence doesn't go with us. Because what else is going to distinguish me apart from your presence, apart from you in me? Moses said that. We too should say that. Don't send us, Lord, as a church unless your presence goes with us. We hunger for God first and foremost, and for no other reason that he invites us into relationship. Before anything else, the hunger for him is because we just want to be with him. Remember, God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me, but he wants you. And he wants me. When he is our priority, when we make him our priority, then the blessing will flow from it. Not because we've sought that, but because that is the fruit of seeking him first. And it flows into our lives and into the lives of others as we hunger for him. Therefore, a mark of hunger is humility. It's a recognition of our absolute need of him. And I say to you now, we as a church know our absolute need of God. And we will do all we can to pursue him because we know that without him, we can't do the things that he's called us to do. And as a people who are part of this church, can I encourage you to seek him with all your heart? 
that he would be the power within you so that the hands that you hold, the hands that we hold, become hands that are blessed through us in the transformation. It isn't about us and our clever ways. It's not about us and our clever ways. It's about him. I'm going to ask you to do something um, which someone did the other day just to hopefully seal this little point. I'm going to ask you to do something which I think you think you can do, but I can guarantee you can't do it. You up for it? Right. So I want you to lift up your right foot if you can, and I want you to rotate your right foot clockwise. All good so far? Now I want you at the same time to draw six in the air. I can guarantee you can't do it. If you're rotating your right foot clockwise, you can't do. <laughs> I wish I had a camera, Peter. <laughs> it's the video. <laughs> Esther, are you finding a way to do it? <laughs> you, if you're doing it properly, you can't rotate your foot, your right foot clockwise and you, you, with your right hand to do a six. If you can, come to me afterwards and prove it to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a look afterwards. There's going to be a long... There'll be some people having prayer ministry, and then there'll be some people coming up to show me that they can... <laughs> the point is, and I, it's a bit of a silly thing, but I just want to remind us that we cannot do... There are some things we think we can do, but we can't. And one of the things about us as disciples of Jesus is that we can sometimes get into the place of thinking it's about us, that we can do things. We can't. We need him. It's a place of humility, a place of being on our knees always. We need him. We need him to come. If he doesn't turn up, if you don't turn up, Lord, please don't send us. That echo of, of Moses. It's a bit like... Um, When we first came to Sheffield, I was appalled at the state of the roads. Are you driving around Sheffield? It's, it's like they say never buy a second-hand car from Sheffield, and I can see why. But they've, they've, they've changed a lot of the road, haven't they? In the last few years, not all of them, John's shaking his head. They have, but they have surf resurfaced quite a few of the roads in Sheffield. They had that program over a couple of years, but there are still some roads that are just awful. And you know what happens to your car when you drive over roads that um, have got potholes in and things. Is it, it, can, it can wreck your tracking. It can wreck your tracking. So all the time, you're, you're, as you're driving and trying to stay on the road, your car is trying to go off. The wheels are kind of slight, the tracking's off, and it's pulling you off the road. And, um, you know, if you took your hands off the wheel, the car, don't ever do that, but the car would kind of veer off to one side because the tracking's out. And that's a little bit like um, if we try and change our behavior, it's like, it's like us pulling against, if we try and do things in our own strength, it's like us pulling against the tracking that's gone off, that's trying to veer us off. We might have some success, but it never works. What we need is a transformation of the heart of our longings. And that's more like when you get an autopilot in a car, where the autopilot is always keeping you on the road. I don't know if Neil, uh, Neil, Neil once took me in, a, in, a, in his car, 
which has got autopilot up Ecclesall Road, and he turned, I don't know if you call it autopilot, that's probably the wrong, you do call it autopilot. He turned on autopilot, took his hands off the wheel, up Ecclesall Road, and his car was just driving. I was like, ah, let me out. <laughs> it was scary. I mean, you know what Ecclesall Road's like, but it did it. And there, that's, a, that's, that's an illustration of when at our deepest level, at, where we're hungry for God and we're saying, come transform me at, at the level of my longings. Then we start to change so that it's like there's an autopilot on us, so we have to work against what God is doing in us. And that only happens as we come to that place of not trying to change things on the surface, not trying to do little things on the surface, but actually getting on our knees and saying, I need you. Will you transform me at my deepest longing? Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. It's an attitude of humility, of recognition of our need. I need you, God. So let me ask you the question I asked at the beginning. What do you hunger for? Who do you hunger for? Do you hunger for God? Have you got that attitude, that posture of humility within you that says, God, if you don't go with me, don't send me. I need you because the hands that I'm holding are going to be transformed by you working through me, by your power working through me. Now, you may be hungry for him. You may have tasted his hunger, uh, tasted of God. You know, taste and see that he is good, it says in the Bible. You may already be in that place, which is great. Stir it up. Feed it. Like Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that, that you've been given. Do that. Attend to it. Stir it. You may know that you need to be in this place, but you don't feel it. You want to be in this place, maybe, but you don't feel it. For whatever reason, you find it hard to hunger. Rick Warren says, if you're not hungry for God, then you're probably poorly. As a parent, I know that if my children don't eat, there's probably something wrong with them. There's probably a sickness. If there's no hunger there for food, there's probably something wrong. Sometimes it's because we've met our hunger, our natural need for him, with rubbish. Often it can be that. We fill the hole with stuff, but we don't fill it with stuff that feeds the soul. With stuff that feeds the hole, but doesn't feed the soul. Where are you now with God? Are you hungry? Tell him. Do you know you filled up the hunger with rubbish and you need to acknowledge that before him? There's a bit of repentance to go on there. Where that hunger that he's placed in with you, you've, you've gone after something else instead of him. Or do you not feel any hunger? In which case you're at the place of saying, I want to want to hunger. That's okay to pray that. But be honest before God. Because as we seek him, he promises to meet us. And to stir up that hunger within us. Say to him, move me with a longing for you, Lord. Even the desire to seek God comes from him. In John 6, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. 
and I will raise them up on the last day. Those are Jesus' words. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Are you like the woman who is desperate for the touch of God? Help me become like the woman who reached out for Jesus would be your prayer. If I just touch him, I will be healed. I just want to pause for 30 seconds. Have I got three minutes, three more minutes? Is that okay? Okay. Just pause for 30 seconds and ask in the quiet before God, where are you with him? What's your hunger? And be honest with him. And just say, God, meet me in this place, please. Would you stir up the hunger within me for you? And in that place, I just want to give you three practical ways that we can all stir up hunger within us. Number one, very briefly, remind yourself daily of how loved you are by God. Find the scriptures that speak those truths over you. Speak to your soul. When we were singing, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was in, within me, shout out. That's straight from the Bible. It's good to declare truths over yourself even if you don't feel it. It's not about feelings, it's about the truth. Declare the truth of who God is. Declare the truth of who you are in him over yourself. Even if it feels like you're shouting at an empty space, there is power in declaration of who God is and who you are. Speak the truth over yourself of how loved you are by God. Psalms like 100, Psalm 139. But there are other Psalms, find them. Find those things. Speak words of truth. And a very practical tip, try and attach it to routine in your day. When you brush your teeth, hopefully we all brush our teeth every day. Make that a reminder to say, God, you, you, you love me. Or whatever it is, whatever's the declaration over you. If, you. if you attach it to something practical like that, you'll remember to do it. When you're having a shower, whatever it is what you're doing, the routine that you do in the day, Attach something, attach this to it. Two, don't be so quick to feed the hunger within you, the desires in you. Sit with the hunger and the desires. Don't fill it with the first thing that you can fill it with. Live in the place of need and want and ask God to fill it. That's not easy sometimes when there are some of those deep desires within us. But don't rush to the things that are there for you to fill it with. Sit with it in the tension of it and allow him to come and meet you. Deuteronomy 8, 2 verse 3 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you Causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Which neither you nor your ancestors had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, 
but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's not an easy one, this, but sit with the hunger. Allow him to fill it. Sometimes the wilderness place is the greatest place of encounter with him. Lastly, hang out with the hungry. Hang with the hungry. Spend time with people who are hungry for him. It rubs off on you. That's why it says in the Bible, don't give up meeting together. That's why in Acts, it says they were filled with awe at all the miracles and wonders that were being done amongst them. It raises faith. Spend time with hungry people. Choose to be with them. Not solely, not all the time, but make sure the balance is right in your life, that you're pursuing people who are hungry for him because you will be discipled by them. And that can be choosing the sort of podcast you listen to, it can be choosing a book that you're going to read because that, that's hanging with hungry people, people who've written books or people who, who do podcasts. But who, who feeds your soul because they are hungry for God themselves? Who do you pursue who is like that? God gives transforming influence to those that are hungry for him. God gives transforming influence to his church that is hungry for him. Not because they're seeking the transformation, but because they're seeking him. And from this pursuit of him comes the blessing of transformed lives, starting with our own and then flowing through all the hands that we hold. Can I invite you to stand? I'm going to read Psalm, uh, Isaiah 55 again as an invite to us, and we're going to have opportunity to respond in worship. Just before we do that, Anne's just going to give, come and give a couple of instructions for the next bit. But can I just ask you, please, to be in that place with God, that honest place with him. He invites you to his table. All that you need is on the table. Come and eat. Fill your hunger with him. Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare.